There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of backcountry pursuits. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast. Joe and I are with you this fine evening. We're hanging out and we figured we better do a 2018 hunt recap. (laughs) So we've done a few things this last season and we wanted to share those things with you. Joe is going to take it away. You did a little waterfowl hunting. I didn't get out waterfowl hunting much this year, so take it away, man. Yeah, it was uh, the last few years my waterfowl hunting has been dwindled down to late season just with archery and uh, Montana and, you know, Western hunting and all that stuff. It kind of starts to take away a little bit of my waterfall hunting time, which I've been fine with in the past. And this year I'd been spending a lot of time just alone, hunting alone, tree stand hunting, uh, elk hunting, you know, all this stuff I've been doing alone, pheasant hunting, anything. And, um, my little brother has been hounding me, trying to get me to go out. And finally I went out with them. We went out one day, um, broke ice the whole way out. Uh, we had up to two inches of ice going to the spot. What was this like? uh thanksgiving this was the weekend before thanksgiving okay Okay. um the weekend before thanksgiving we broke ice and went through um got over to our spot where there was a good channel of open water got set up froze our butts off it was (laughs) one of those single digit mornings where ice was being made um not much was happening it was pretty slow morning we did end up um taking four mergansers that day which guys dog on but honestly these mcgansers had a good eighth inch of fat on nice. their breasts nice. it was nice and they were amazing my kids ate gobbled them up um so did <laughs> i they were gone in a second um but nice. that was a really fun hunt it was slow and whatever um the following weekend was thanksgiving weekend i missed out on going on thanksgiving morning and i missed out on the day after the hunt i went on too the day after the hunt i went on the guys ended up with nothing thanksgiving morning i think they ended up with one then that saturday after thanksgiving we decided we're going to give her one last go we're going to hunt saturday and sunday so we get the whole group together we have four guys we go out to our spot we get out there an hour before sunrise the weekend before, there's nobody out there. We show up, there's four trucks in the lot. And there's two spots. Oh, darn. All the guys are going <laughs> to the spot we hunted the weekend before. So for us, it was an easy choice. Let's just go to the other side and give it a try. We've never hunted this other spot. Nobody sure. ever wants to hunt it because it's usually terrible. Yeah, yep. So we get over to the other spot, get set up, and we've got a good crosswind that's kind of we can work into a good headwind. Um So we had to kind of work a funny little angle on the corner. We pretty much did everything from waders. We ran a canoe out to haul decoys, essentially. Set up our blind, got decoys set. We had floaters in the water, mojos out, and we had shells on the ice. It was a gorgeous setup. It was an awesome setup. Was Hank with you? No, Hank wasn't with. I didn't bring him with because I thought it was just going to be a slow day. Sure. I was was dead wrong. (laughs) Uh, I bet he was mad. (laughs) And it was a nice day too. So it was just, it would have been a perfect day to have a dog out there. So we get set up and we've got a little bit of time to kill yet. We got about 45 minutes. Um, And there's a guy, a guy pulls up as one of our guys was grabbing a couple extra shells and stuff. This guy pulls up. He's by himself. He's got a kayak on the roof of his truck, no dog. And he starts talking to our buddy, and our buddy basically says, I was going to use a bad word there, but I'll just go around it. Basically, it's full. There's there's guys everywhere. It's going to be a crapshoot. But if you want, you're by yourself. Why don't you just come over and join us? So this guy says, awesome, man. Thanks. So the guy comes over. Uh, his name was Mike. Um, he came over and started talking to us and got to know everybody and he's a really great guy turns out he has a company based on that lake his office is on that oh, lake wow um, so his scouting's pretty easy yeah <laughs> yeah so and so he was he was a really cool guy super friendly um so we get set up and right before shooting light 
we had a flock of about 40 mallards buzz our decoys and then just keep on going. And I'm going, all right, I haven't seen that many mallards around in a while. Yeah. This could be a really could be good awesome. day. <laughs> so it starts to get light out and you start looking and the clouds are sitting so low that you can't even see the birds in flight because they're flying in the clouds. Okay. So the first flock that came in was a flock of eight. We killed seven. Oh, geez. And <laughs> how and many guys again? There's five of us. Five. Five okay. of us. Wow. Um, we killed seven ducks, all greenheads, all mallards, all oh, drakes. Oh, man. And they come in and they literally came out of nowhere. Like they, they, by the time we saw them, they were cupped up coming into our decoys at about 40 yards, coming straight in. And then they're coming in hot. And my little brother goes, all right, should we take them? I said, no, no, just hold on. They're going to come back around. Yeah. Because they came in so hot that if they were to land, they would have landed on the ice. And I think they just, being that they're in the clouds, I think they just kind of, you know, miscalculated their landing. So they swoop back around. And literally, I've got them 10 yards from me when they're swooping around. Yeah. And I could start picking them off. I'm like, just wait. So they just blow a couple soft calls. And sure enough, they come back around, decoyed right up, right in front of the mojos. And it was just all out war at that wow, point. Wow. That's awesome. So we were, that's like what you live for. Yeah. For <laughs> it was amazing. And that's what I love that's about great. November hunts is that's, that's when you get that's that. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we had that round, um, go super well. And then we're just sitting there and we're all just like mesmerized. Like, where did they come from? How yeah. did that happen? And, and then I kind of brought up the point. I said, all right, guys. Everybody's going to want to jump on them that first pass, but don't just wait. They're all going to do the same thing. If they come in that hot, they're going to do the same thing because they're, they're cupped and committed. We're the only water around. Yep. Um, and they're just falling out of the sky. And when they're falling out of the sky like that, they're going to miscalculate all the time. Yeah. So we sit there. Another group of four come in. We take a couple more. Another group of eight came in. We took five more. Oh, man. And we're just sitting there just looking at each other. <laughs> Can't like, believe it. This is amazing. <laughs> we end up at, I think we were at, what was it, 14 ducks. It was an hour and a half in the shooting light. Oh, man. And we've got five guys. Um, we can shoot 20 mallards. Yep. 14 ducks. We're sitting there going, all right, guys, this is great, but, you know, let's Keep an eye on hens, keep an eye on counts, stuff yep, like that. Yep. We had another group come in. We took a couple more and then a couple more. And then I was like, all right, guys, I think it's time we can celebrate a little bit. So we, me and my little brother, <laughs> we like smoking cigars, especially on the last week in a duck. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we start smoking cigars and we literally have ducks coming in as we're smoking cigars. Oh, man. I should have been there. <laughs> it was, yeah, I know. And that's a, when we got all done, I was like, man, I should have called Brian and just said, come out here, send you a pin, get out here, get out here now. And I just, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. It's just so, for me, it's rare to ever get fully immersed into like what's happening right in front of me. Yeah. About, my mind's always running. I've got ADD and just whatever. That day, it's like, that's all that mattered. Yeah. Like, there was nothing else that mattered to me as like, that's this awesome. is perfect. We got a little bit of sprinkle coming down, a little bit of sleet here and there, a good wind, low clouds. Like, this is awesome. The, the perfect, like the quintessential waterfowl. Day. It was. Yeah. It was. It was like what writers write about. It was what dreams are made of. Yeah. So we end up, <clears throat> we ended up with a full limit of mallards for nice. five guys that day. We were wow. done in like, it was like two hours and 15 minutes or something shooting time. If it was just like that every time. Oh, I know. It would be, <laughs> but then, you'd, then you wouldn't appreciate the no. times that it's like that. So yeah. we're sitting there at the end, laying out our birds, getting our pictures, and we all look at each other and I just go, guys, we cannot duck hunt tomorrow. This has to be the end of our season. Because <laughs> yeah. why would we want to risk going out on a load mount? when we can go out on the highest freaking note possible. Right, yeah. And we yeah. all agreed, like, yep, that's nope, it. let's pack up the guns, pack up the decoys, oh, put the boat away, and, and that was it for the year. And, man, what a way to end a season. Yeah, jeez, that's awesome. I remember you telling me about that and sending me pictures, and I think you sent me that picture of all the birds laid out and you guys, and you're like, we just slayed them today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is awesome. And that's the, super cool. That guy, Mike? Yeah. 
best luck in the world. I swear he's got a horseshoe up his ass because how often are you ever going to get invited out to a group in a metro hunt? This yeah. was in metro. Yeah. In a metro hunt, how often are you going to get invited out to hunt ducks with a group of guys that are all set up, everything's ready to go, and then limit out? Right, right. Like, that's rare. Yeah, that's guy got lucky that yeah. morning. That's awesome. So that was super fun. Super cool. Yeah, well, that's that's uh we kind of we wanted to talk about a few things. Definitely Joe's waterfowl experience cuz like we had talked about it was amazing. Yeah. And just to be able to tell that story, some some of you out there who maybe didn't have much luck waterfowl hunting this year just know that it can happen like that. Where oh, yeah. you just don't know and then you go out and it's awesome. So yeah. stick after it and uh we're going to also share like we said at the beginning of the episode this is kind of our 2018 hunting recap so kind of some highlights of the year for me i didn't honestly have much going on this year i every year that i've gone to alaska it takes so much time and when i get home i've got so much to catch up on one thing i'll start off with is cody and i uh kind of our our videographer on the team he and i went out to south dakota yeah. And kind of forgot about maybe talking about this. And our trip just didn't turn out very well. We got out there and the first evening looked great. We hiked out into an area. We were mule deer hunting yeah. like I've done the last three years. And uh, we hiked out into a great spot, set up camp, went out to glass. And we had a, a good half a day. And... It started to snow that first evening. We headed back to the shelter because we couldn't see anymore. Yeah. Our visibility got low. We stayed for, I think it ended up being 18 hours in there because it was just <laughs> snowing. And then it was weird. Some weird fog set in where yeah. you couldn't see more than like 80 yards at the most. And that stayed around for a, a couple days, two full days, which really put a, a through a wrench in our hunt. Yeah. It was kind of like... Okay, now what do we do? We can't see. We don't. You don't want to just go wandering around. So finally, when it did clear up, the winds picked up and were thirty and forty miles yeah. an hour. And for the next two days, so we did see deer. We had a couple stock opportunities. The weather, wind made it difficult, um, but we had a good time. You know, ultimately, you go out and you have a good time being out in that kind of area. Whenever you go on a hunt like that, and and being with a good buddy helps, but. We kind of got skunked on that one. Learned some lessons, but most of all, the weather really kind of trumped yeah, us. Yeah, you guys were kind of sitting in the crap the <laughs> yeah, whole time. We I remember watching all the Instagram stories and being like, oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. you, you, you spend all that time, you plan it out, you do everything you want, and the weather can just change everything so fast. Yep, and when yep. it changes like that, where it's fast and then it sticks. Yep, yep. Oh, Yep, where you get socked in by snow and fog, and then, and then it switches gears, and it's so windy, you know. You, it, we, Cody and I were discussing while we were sitting there glassing the last day, you know, if we if we go on a stock, get close to a deer, get a shot opportunity, draw back. What is our bow going to feel like in this wind? What's our <laughs> arrow going to do? Where do we need to aim? And when we started talking that way, we had one day left. When we started talking about those specific details, we both kind of looked at each other and said, let's just go home. Yeah, It's not worth it. It was going to be the same thing the next day, and it wasn't worth it. The last yeah. thing we want to do is go all the way out there to shoot a deer in the hind quarter and blood trail it for a mile and not find it and... Yeah. You know, it just turns into a mess pretty quick on some of that stuff. So Yeah, it's a bummer when that happens too. Yeah. I know I get that way when I get bad weather on a trip. You could go on a seven day trip and one day of bad weather and you're so mad. You're just like, <laughs> Why? Lost you know, it. like this is my one week of the year, or whatever. And yeah. Yep. It's you know, it's just part of the fun of playing in the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny though because I came home and almost had I had an extreme redemption. And uh <laughs> I this is this year was really weird for me. I actually ended up doing a lot of waiting and having patience in a in a property that I'm able to hunt. It's a super small piece of property. I knew that there was a decent buck in the area. You know how you kind of think, well, it's not a big enough piece of property to hold him there, especially in the rut when he's going to start searching for does. And this was three or four days before Thanksgiving, yep. we had gotten back from 
South Dakota just two weeks prior to this. And I waited and waited and waited until the wind was perfect for a stand that I had set in this small wood lot. There's kind of a little trail that leads uh, from from north north to south in that little wood plot wood lot. And I set a stand kind of looking down that trail, figuring that's kind of my shooting lane, my yeah. one shooting lane. It's it's pretty thick in that area. And I ended up sitting one time this year and shooting one buck. <laughs> when Brian texted me, I was like, are you kidding me? How is that possible? <laughs> I, uh, and, and here's, you know, there, this, there's two, there's two realities of this. The number one reality is luck. That's the number one reality, but the number two reality and, and not really a close second, but the number two reality is patience and timing. Yep. Because when people go in and pressure deer over and over or say do the same routine every time, walk in the same way, sit the same stand, especially if their wind is questionable, I think even during the rut, I think you're kind of setting yourself up in maybe not the best best possible scenario. I agree. And we'll get into it maybe after my next story too, but I've got some theories on that. And I, after this year, I'm kind of thinking about changing the way I do a few things. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. And, and again, I have to preface this story with the luck aspect because it, you know, that just doesn't happen often, but you hear all the time, you know, you hear these really, really, uh, smart, experienced whitetail hunters say your best time, your, your best time is in is your first time in. And you hear that often. And this was obviously my first time in my only time in, I sat in the stand one time this year, but I got in. It's one of those hunts where everything was wrong except for the wind and the time of year. And I was late with work, doing shipping, trying to get back in time. I ended up getting in the stand right at four, about four to four fifteen, I remember sitting down, my bow is hung up, you know, ready to go. Yeah. And at four fifty <laughs> I hear some some walking behind me, which I was worried about at first because I had the wind obviously coming from the north. It was the best best wind direction that I could get for that setup coming from the north. And I was hoping the deer would come from the north. So I hear walking kind of behind me to my left and I look and there's this really nice mature doe kind of coming in behind me from, from the West. And I think, well, if she gives me an opportunity, I'm going to take a shot at her. But then it crosses my mind, man, she's by herself as far as I can tell right now. Maybe I need to just hold off for a second, just in case. And sure enough, about the time that that's running through my mind off probably 40 to 50 yards in front of me. I hear, (laughs) and you know, that trotting sound. And I think to myself, I am in the best possible scenario. I've got a doe behind me, an obvious rutting buck trotting in, in front of me. And I've got this open lane right in front of me. And you know, when people say it happened fast, you always wonder how fast did it actually happen? But yeah. this seemed like it happened in a half a second. I yeah. heard that. And as soon as I heard that, I made a quick check to, to, to see that that doe wasn't looking at me, stood up, grabbed my bow, clipped my release on. Yep. And all like in one, try to do it in one fluid motion. And right when I got my look down to clip my release, I looked up and here was that buck kind of paralleling that trail coming towards me. So he wasn't on that open trail. And I thought, shoot, he's got to come in that opening or I don't have a shot because it's super thick on both sides of that trail. So luckily he has his head down. He's looking right at her. So he has no clue that I'm there. And he ends up, he does end up turning into that trail and it ended up being a a quartering two shot. And it was the only shot I had. And and as soon as I saw him turn into that trail, um, actually previous to this, I had drawn as soon as I saw him, I drew because I knew he's coming so quick. I'm not going to be standing there holding my bow back for more than, you know, more than a minute. Uh, he turns into that trail. I've I'm drawn. 
I stop him just with a meh, and it was perfect. He he kind of had his head down, and when I did that, he looked right at that doe. So he's not even looking at me. And at this point, he's 18 yards. So he was he was quartering to me, and I was worried about that. I'm I'm always worried a little bit about that. Uh, but ever since I've started shooting heavier, heavier arrows, I've been less worried about it. Yeah. You know, I've been before when I back in the day when all I cared about was speed. I I was it was scary to even think about hitting a shoulder now i think i would have been completely fine with shooting him directly in the shoulder and passing into into his chest cavity but i made the right right shot and i i it was during that time of year it starts to get dark pretty early and so it was getting to be kind of twilight i could definitely see him but i i buried my pin released the arrow and i saw it i saw it pass through just hit hard and pass through, hit the ground behind him. But the weird thing was, uh, and I, my recollection of it is that the shot was a little bit further back than I would have liked, especially for him being quartering to me. Mm. So I thought, well, shoot, but it was a complete pass through. He ran to my right. He kind of ran to the Northeast 40 yards and came out into this opening that was a ways from me and stopped and stood there for five minutes and i thought okay obviously at this point i'm like i didn't hit him as well as i thought because he's he stood there for five minutes looking around yeah i grab my binos i'm looking at him i can tell that he's a decent buck you know and i haven't shot any giants but he was a decent buck for me and i'm looking at him obviously the doe had taken off by this time i can see blood on the ground but I, it's dark enough where I can't see it on his body, where the location of the blood was coming from, but yeah. I can see blood on the snow. There's a little bit of snow, which was great. So about five minutes goes by. He starts to walk to the north. I see him go another 40 yards, and he beds down. And I think, okay, well, that's a great sign. I'm yeah. going to just keep watching him until I can't see him anymore. About three minutes before I can't see him anymore, he gets up, and he walks about another 10 yards and beds back down. And I'm like, and this is a small enough piece of property that if he goes another 40 yards, he's not on the property anymore. And I think, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave all of my stuff here. I'm not going to pack up. I'm not going to have an opportunity where I make noise, putting stuff in my backpack or taking my tree arm out of the tree or, you know, not dropping my bow down on my, on my, uh, you know, rope. I'm going to just leave my stuff as it sits climb down and sneak out of here. Yeah. I saw that my air was on the ground, looked at it with the bino, saw it was covered in blood and decided to just back out of there. Went home, uh, sent a couple of texts being like, Hey, specifically one to the guy that kind of mentored me in bow hunting. My buddy, Steve, he responded with, man, you know what to do. You just need to leave them. Yeah. And it's cool. It's definitely cold enough. You need to leave them and go back in there first light in the morning. So I called my brother. I said, Hey man, you want to come with me in the morning? We went out there and basically walked right to him. There was a blood trail and walked right to him. And he, he had expired not long after probably I left because he was, he was stiffened up and cold. But you know, the moral of the story is I I've had one time, one hunt where I shot a, a, a beautiful monster whitetail in Kentucky and I went in too early and maybe didn't make the shot I thought I did. Yep. In this case, I made a better shot than I thought I did. It ended up uh passing through his onside lung and exiting right out his liver. I was gonna say it sounds like a single lung and a liver. Because yep. a liver, you know, typically, you know, three to four hours, sometimes less. Yeah. yeah. And a liver, what'll happen, because I've done it, um, with a liver, you'll see a lot of times they'll get up and, or they'll after they're hit, they'll walk. Sometimes they'll walk 20 yards and bed down. Mm-hmm. And then maybe an hour later, they'll try to get up and then just can't. Yeah. And where yours got up, moved 10 yards and got down again. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought was like, that's probably liver, he's dead. Yeah. No, yeah. He's and die. usually when they do that, in my experience, I had it happen in South Dakota. I watched a deer do that. Usually when they can't go much further than that, you know that 
that they're going to expire. It's yep. just you just don't know the time frame. And you let them do it peacefully. Yeah, let them do it. And, you know, you hear about people sneaking in to get another arrow in them. But in this situation, if I tried to do that and bumped them, I, I feel like deer definitely, probably like humans do, they get an extra shot of adrenaline when they now know – you know, he probably had no clue what happened to him. Yep. And then he's laying there dying. He's going to die. And all of a sudden, some dude comes trying to sneak up. Well, you're not going to do that <laughs> yeah. on a whitetail. No. Really, the chances are you're going to get caught before you get another shot off. And then he gets a shot of adrenaline and takes off and he goes 800 yards yep. or something. And you just, you just don't know. So yeah. I think let him, let him expire when they maybe are in a, in a, time frame that they don't know what's going on you know try try to to keep them you know in sight as long as you can see them try to remember where they went and that's harder than than people would think to do when you're in that moment to really you know to calculate those things and then later try to remember back well what you know what happened uh but it's all part of what's cool about that is it's all part of learning and getting better as overall as yeah. a hunter is trying to remember that i one thing i always do now is right after i shoot it's a uh and shoot a deer it's become a habit as i grab and i look at my phone or my watch yep. to see what time Check it is time. exactly yep. so i knew um i grabbed my arrow and like you said the liver thing i knew when i grabbed it it was really dark red yeah which scared me at first cuz i thought in my mind, you know, you run these, you run these scenarios. And I thought, well, if, if I only hit liver, the angle wouldn't allowed for just red blood to be on my arrow. There would have been some, there would have been some stomach contents. So I knew I had to have hit further, far enough forward for it to pass through some considerable amount of his chest cavity before it went and exited out his liver. So I wasn't, I wasn't too worried. Um, and did you did you go through shoulder on that one too? Or it was... clipped. It clipped yeah. the back end of his scapula. See, and that's was where all that it was. That's where I have like that Buckeye shot earlier this year. That was kind of my thinking to it. Is if I put it through the shoulder and get one lung, it's not going to go far. Mm-hmm. If I clip it and get one lung, it can go a long ways. And that's yeah. where I think sometimes on the on side, like the the quartering two. I've done it your way too, where you try to sneak it by there. Mm -hmm. And well, it sounds like you didn't mean to though. You meant to kind of get it closer to that shoulder, but I've done it where I've tried to sneak it by there. And the first year I ever shot, I did that. And I ended up blood trailing that thing for over a mile, never found it. Yeah. And, um, so I've now, and now, and now I'm shooting heavier arrows and I'm not shooting mechanicals and stuff. So I feel more confident doing it, but now it's like, yeah, just put it right center (laughs) pin that shoulder. Yeah. Let yep. that thing go. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a cool, it, it was really nice to have it happen that way. Just cause with the short amount of time that I had this year to kind of get out and do, do some hunting, you know, one for one, get in there that's, and get it done and come out, which is kind of nice. Of you take your time in the stand, <laughs> your one hour in the stand, you take your 10 hours of sleeping and coming home in the dark and stuff and add that all up. And then you go out and find it in an hour in the morning, you have less time deer hunting than most guys <laughs> do that don't even get a deer. So yeah. You're, yeah. you're sitting pretty good. Yeah. And it, believe me, it was tough to let that property, that little property sit and not go in yep. there. There was a lot of days I wanted to go in there and I thought, man, the, the wind just isn't quite perfect. And I just kept in the back of my mind hearing, wait till the wind's perfect. Wait till the wind's yep. perfect. Because we all know big game animals. It almost doesn't matter which animals that is there. That's that they perceive the world through their nose. Yeah. So don't try to cheat them on that one because you're, you're going to lose every time, you know? So that was kind of the main thing, but it was, it was definitely a cool, cool hunt and one that I'll never forget. And it was a great buck. Yeah. It was a pretty nice buck. He had a broken off main beam where he was either fighting or, you know, something going on and yeah. he, he was a nice buck and a big, big body deer and got a ton of meat in the freezer. So yeah, that's that the best awesome. part. So, yeah. so what about, you know, you, you ended up, you ended up killing a doe yep. then after up. my buck, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the same weekend. I yeah. Think. Just right after. Yeah. Yep. Cause, uh, so I did that. Well, 
I'll back up a little bit. So Thanksgiving morning, instead of going duck hunting, I went deer hunting. Okay. Um, and I went to a property that I hadn't hunted yet this year. So I, I went out that morning and usually mornings on that property aren't that great, but I just had a few hours to spare. So I thought, well, I'll just run back there and, and hunt the morning and call it good. So I went back and set up, I went out and found a tree the night before, set up my stand there and then let it lay and came back the next morning to hunt. And I walked in and this is why I don't like hunting this property in the morning. I walked <laughs> in and I busted deer walking in right under my stand. Oh man. And so walking in the dark, I could hear the doe blow out and then hear the sound of hooves running away. So I, I thought, okay, whatever, I'll go duck hunting Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah. So I went duck hunting Saturday morning. Well, Sunday, um, I wanted to go hunting in the morning again because Thanksgiving morning, Thanksgiving morning, I did see a buck and I'd already got my buck, but I, w- I was out to shoot a doe Yep. and I did see a buck. And so I thought, well, I'll go back out in the morning. I wanted to go out Sunday morning, but, um, my wife was out a little late Saturday night. So I thought, oh, I'll just go out Sunday night. So I, I went out Sunday evening in a huffy puffy mood of dang it. You know, I really <laughs> wanted to go out in the morning. So I get out there probably two hours before dark. Um, and I moved my stand over a little bit because the tree I was in, I didn't really like much. It was too wobbly. It was very uncomfortable. It was one of those leaners. Yeah. And I'm hunting out of a climber, That's hunting out of worst. a climber and a leaner is impossible because <laughs> the seat's about the size of a Nalgene bottle. Right. And so, <laughs> and you stand up and you feel like you're back to the roofing yeah, days exactly. where you're standing on a pitched roof. Yeah. So I, <laughs> so I moved over a little bit and I found a good tree and it's one I've uh, actually hunted out of before. And it's got a good lane out to 40, 43 yards is the edge of the trees. Perfectly clear lane. And then also the deer, there's rubs all around me, trails all around me, all within 17 yards. Nice. So I'm nice. Like, either I'm going to get a shot at something out there or I'm going to get a shot at something in here. So yep. I sit. And it was one of those nights, the wind was howling. It was just uncomfortable. It was freezing. Um, pretty miserable. And I'm just sitting there going, why am I out here? I need to go. And, and then all it's about of, that time. And then all of a sudden a big fat squirrel comes up to my tree, literally like perfect, perfect arrow shooting range for a nice chubby squirrel. And I let him go. And I thought to myself, <laughs> all right, that's karma. It's going to work out for you, Joe. Cause I never let squirrels go. If they come within range and I've got a squirrel arrow in my quiver, which I always do, yep. I'm going to take You're the squirrel. You're taking them. Yep. And so I, uh, I let him go and I kind of had that thought. <clears throat> not 10 minutes later, <laughs> there's a little island of trees out in this. And I was watching deer way off Yep, that were kind of, these deer, they get pressured a lot in this area and they I'm practically watching them crouch down or follow willows to walk. And I watched a couple way out there doing that. And they're three, 400 yards away. And all of a sudden this doe just comes bounding out of this island right by me. Um, I'm thinking, all right, here we go. Let's see what she's going to do. And she's coming towards the trees, and I think she's going to come right into me. Yeah. Sure enough, she doesn't. She turns <laughs> and starts heading south right along the wood line. And I wait a minute because she keeps looking back, and I'm like, if there's a cool buck behind her, I want to at least see the buck. Right. And nothing's coming. And so I'm kind of eyeing it up, and I grab my rangefinder one more time, and I range that lane one last time. I was like, all right, 43 yards. 43 yards. I can do that. So she comes out <laughs> and she's walking along just perfectly. She gets to a nice little patch of willows at the edge of the wood line. I draw my bow back <clears throat> and just kind of wait her out. And she just takes her sweet time. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, she gets to that opening, stops and turns and looks behind her. And I held steady and just let it go. And I watched my arrow just heard the thwack, watch it pass through her. And she runs 20 yards to the south. I'm like, oh, crap. I don't want to go looking for this thing all night. Turns, starts heading in the woods towards me, runs another 20 yards, stands there for a second, does the same tail wag my buck did earlier this year, and just topples. Tips over. Oh. And I pull up my binos and I'm looking and she has no idea where I'm at. And I'm just looking and I, (laughs) I can see her. I can see her chest moving a little bit. Yep. I watch her for a couple minutes. I text my wife right away. I said, all right, I just shot a deer. She just went down. I can see her. Um, 
she's going to be dead, but I'm going to wait a little bit before I jump down out of the stand. I don't want to bust her out or get the adrenaline going or yep. anything. And there was there, there was some snow on the ground. There was barely a little any bit. snow. There okay. was snow out where she was, where I shot her, yep. but in the trees, there wasn't much. Okay. There was a little dusting. Okay. Um, I think it, cause that day I went out duck hunting, which was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That was the day it rained. Yeah. So yeah, that took I away a that. lot of the yep. snow. Yep. So she, I watched her for, like I said, a couple minutes only where I could see her chest move a little bit and then finally it stopped and I'm like, all right, I'll give it another 10 minutes. And so I walk out, look for my arrow. No luck. Can't find my arrow. It's buried in the, in the tall grass in the swamp. And that one I was shooting an iron will. So I'm going darn time to buy a metal detector, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I mean, you're looking at a $50 arrow buried in the swamp grass and, yep um so yeah so i never found the arrow it passed through so hot that it didn't even slow down so i follow the follow her trail knowing exactly where she is but i want to see if there's any blood no blood no blood no blood I turn walk in where she walked in 10 feet before where she's laying there's just blood everywhere wow and i think it just lungs maybe filled up and then just started spraying yeah did you hit did you hit right dead center of the lungs or so, was it a little yeah. high or what so I clipped both lungs and took the aorta. Okay. So she literally ran, and when she stopped running, she was basically dead at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. Wow. so I walked up to her, and I just, right away, I think I texted you right away. I'm like, I finally broke the doe curse. Yeah. I've not <laughs> killed a doe with my bow yet. And I'm like, and every year I buy a tag for one and never have any luck. And kill and a buck. Finally, and... built, finally <laughs> killed this doe. So that doe was... Pretty special to yeah. me. And to do it at 43 yards with a perfect shot and just to watch everything happen like that was awesome. And I. That's a poke on a whitetail. Yeah. It I is. always feel like that's a shot that I probably won't take anymore if the deer is alert, yeah. especially if it has any inclination that I'm there, just because they're so fast. And, and that's, that's just it. And that shot, too, <clears throat> like I said, it's a good four foot wide, clear shooting. Line. Yeah, yeah. And the wind had died down by then, and I felt, you know, when I pulled my bow up, because a lot of times what I'll do is I'll draw back, and I have a hard time letting down on a deer. Yeah. But if I draw back and I have that feeling of, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. Yeah. I'm gonna let down. Yeah. If yeah. I draw back and I go, solid Dead deer. Yeah. Then I'm gonna let go. Yeah. And and I'm gonna hit the release, I should say. And so. That's what I did, and I walked up to her, and I I think the other thing I texted you right away and a couple other people, I was like, she is a mon- – this is a trophy doe, huge, man. Yeah. <laughs> she was huge. So I got her field dressed, and and I rigged up a rope system as a harness and started dragging her, and I had to stop like four times on a, like a 150-yard drag, and I'm like, geez, this thing's a tank. Yeah. And I got it mounted up on my – kayak rack and hoisted up in the air and it took like all my strength to pull it she was a big doe that's awesome and yeah it was it was something it was pretty cool and i being that i killed her and it was cold out and i had time i was able to age it more yeah Um, i aged the hams for two and a half weeks yeah that's the beautiful part about shooting a deer that time of year i did the same thing with my buck yeah i basically it was awesome i basically hung it in the garage quartered it out took all, you know, backstraps, everything, and just laid it out on a meat table yep. and just let it sit in the garage for for days. Yeah, and, and it's great. It's the best. Yeah. Danielle says, too, she's like, this is the best deer, I think, that we've ever eaten. Yep. It's like, yeah, we gave it time yep. and ha- have the perfect weather. Yeah, and know? so a couple other notes on that, um, what I was talking about when Brian was telling his story. <laughs> My big takeaway this year was wait it out. Don't be so scared of going out after shotgun, rifle season, firearm season. Yeah. Especially this last year, the rut seemed like it lasted an entire month. Yeah. Um, yeah. That doe reeked like doe piss. Hmm. Like she she stunk. And and I had Thanksgiving morning, that buck that came in, he was grunting. Um, You know, that rut carried out and they were acting dumber than ever thanksgiving week yeah and usually that dumber than ever's right what the week the rifle opens usually is that's when they're really dumb yeah yeah and they were just acting dumb and yeah. dumb. <laughs> so and that's the thing about the rut too people i think get get in this mode where they when people say the rut 
you have to kind of qualify what we're talking about. Yep. And and that's an issue because for me, when I think of personally my opinion about what the rut is, is that is where I feel that the deer in my area are the most susceptible to making mistakes yep. because they're so fired up and ready to breed. And, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, it's no good. You might as well not even go because they're in lockdown mode, which people will say that means that they, they're with does or they're bedded in an area with a doe or they're on a doe. And so they're not chasing and moving around any, anymore. My thing is, well, that's not every buck. No. So you you need to be out there in, in that key time where you start to see that different activity and one deer could be completely different from another deer. Some deer in one area could be completely different than deer in another area. And like you say, I get, I get frustrated because my, basically what I view as my best days pretty much each year are taken away from me because I get, I've got a property that I hunt and the landowner has some guys come in for rifle season yep. and I get to go back in there afterwards. Yep. And that's a tough spot to be in. Cause I just think, man, I could be in there at the best time. And one that's, so one of my, kind of what my thought was on it this year is I'm hunting, like I said, a highly pressured area and these deer get hammered yeah. during rifle season and part of me was like, after I'd shot that doe, I was kind of thinking that after Thanksgiving week, I mean, two sits, two deer within range. Um, I'm kind of thinking to myself, maybe if you, they get done with rifle season and they have that kind of week of just rest mm-hmm. and then you come out, yeah, I feel like they're going to be a lot more. Things just, have settled things have down. For, they forgot. Yeah. Man, look at high school kids. They could be mad <laughs> as hell about something stupid. And then a woman comes around and everything changes. You know, they forget, they forget all their pain in the past. Right. And that's, that's what these bucks are. Yeah. I mean, that's what these deer are. And yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I, I think my, my takeaway from it this year was I've got a couple different properties I can hunt. Yep. Hunt one during the early season. Let that other one lay sure. until late, like I did this year. Thanksgiving around that time, and especially this year, we had a mild fall. I mean, you could hunt in your normal October clothing yeah. into December this year. Right. Um, but, yeah, so I, I kind of thought that. And then, you know, I think, like you say, just leaving those areas and staying out of them making the most of your opportunities when you do go in them. You know, if you're going to leave an area for a long time, it might not be a bad idea if you can get out there during the rut and you haven't hunted it all year mm-hmm. to do an all-day sit. Yep, yeah. Get in there in the morning and yep. sit all day. Yeah, the guy that kind of schooled me up in whitetail hunting and when I lived in Kentucky for some time, he always just pushed into me, hunt smarter, not harder. Yep. And I it took me some years to get out of the mode where all I wanted to do is just go sit in the stand yep. and realize that, and Hey, it's awesome being out there and nothing against that at all. If you want to go out there and sit, go out there and sit. I'm just saying to be consistently or somewhat consistent in, in harvesting deer. It seems like the people that do that are the ones that are patient and wait for the conditions to be right and the time to be right to go. When they go, they're optimizing their opportunity, you know? And the hard part about that, and I can sympathize with a lot of people with this, is I've got a wife and kids. And the hard part about that is, you know, to me, it's like I have to have it planned out. Yeah, it that's the I'm hunting hardest this day, part. And, yep. and it's really tough to do that when you want to take advantage of stuff. But there are certain trips I'll do where I tell my wife it's going to be within this three weeks. Right, and, right. And, you know, whatever, like spring bear coming up, that's my plan. I've gave, I gave her three weeks, and I said it's going to be sometime in these three weeks. Yep, I don't know yet. Yep, Won't yep. know until two weeks before. Yep. And so it, there's a lot of planning that has to go into that as well. But, yeah, it's definitely something to think about. Yeah, that's that's super cool. When I heard you made that shot, especially 43 yards, I mean, that's that's awesome. When you do that, it's funny because when you do that, it just boosts your confidence. When you yeah. when it, when practice pays off like that on a real animal, it just boosts your confidence like crazy. Or it makes you go backwards. So I <laughs> after I did that, I thought about that bull in Montana this year. I was like, God, I should have shot that I should have done it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or that. Yeah, you realize what you should have done. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. Um, since 
I didn't have too much else going on. I did some, I did do some, some squirrel hunting. I've shot some squirrels, but that's about it. Uh, you have been doing, you hit the upland game pretty hard this year. Yeah. This year I, I really started hammering at it. Um, I'm trying to think when the first time I went out was, I think it was after I filled my doe tag. Um, and after waterfall was closed up, it's kind of like, Oh, now what, you know? And I, I've got a lab Hank that you guys have seen probably or heard about. He's nine and a half. He's, you know, on the, he's up and over the hill and coming down the backside. He's got some time yet, but I try to get him out as much as I can. And especially after that duck hunt, I felt so bad for not getting him out. So I thought, all right, let's start, let's start getting after pheasants again. Um, we used to do it a lot. We did a lot of game farm hunts and stuff like that with him when he was younger, but wild birds, it's been pretty rare that we got after them. And this year we really spent a lot of time on it. And, uh, first time I took him out this year, we went out behind my place to an area that is not known for good pheasant hunting at all. Um, it's swamp, it's nasty. And this is usually when I like to get out. If you guys saw my post from before on contact outdoors is, you know, I like to get out late season where I can start hitting swamps and stuff like that. And then on top of that, if you get out in December, you can shoot three roosters a day, which is awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So we, we get out and we end up flushing up a bird and I missed him. We had a good, <laughs> no excuse here, but we had a good wind and I didn't quite trust Hank when I, I was kind of giving up on him. He was birdie <laughs> for a long time. I kind of gave up on him. Well, it turns out he was chasing a bird and I missed. So we went back and then after that, it was just like, I know what I'm doing the rest of December. Like I am going to hit pheasants hard this year. And I did. And I had a blast doing it. Um, I had more fun upland hunting this year than I did hunting anything else. Um, That's awesome. And I think it's to me, it, it growing up, we had bird dogs and we grouse hunted and stuff like that. And pheasant hunted. Um, and I think to me, it just kind of took me back to that, like low pressure, you're just out here to have a good time. You're taking the dog for a walk with a gun in your hand. Right. That's, right. That's the only thing you're doing. If you get birds, great. If you don't get birds, oh well. You know, you don't have to worry about you don't have to think things through as much with deer as you do with deer or ducks or anything. You know, they're just they're pretty patternable and then weather can affect them to a point, but it's not it's not like deer or ducks where they're right. just gonna be done and you can't get to them. You got a dog. You can yep. get to them. Yep. They're going to hold tight one day. Great. That's even better. Yeah. If they're going to run one day. It's going to, you're going to have to work harder. So I think in the month of December, I think I got out, I think eight or nine times. Okay. And probably covered upwards of 40 something miles. Nice. And good exercise. It's too. great exercise too. And then, with my running and stuff, I haven't been doing it as much lately. It was kind of, that was kind of part of my excuse. Like I need some exercise yeah. Let's go for a walk and you're walking through swamps, carrying a gun, walking through willow thickets. Like you're, you're working pretty hard. And so, yeah, it kind of took me back to all that and kind of, kind of made me re fall in love with that whole bird dog yeah. upland hunting kind of stuff. And so I think next year, I think I'm going to put some more time into it. Um, and just, you know, have fun with it. It's, it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. And and for guys out there that are looking into doing it, you don't need a dog. But if you're hunting big, expansive public areas or swamps and stuff, it Probably certainly helps. helps. A ton. And I'll have to I'll have to trail along with you next year. Yeah. And get into sure. some. We'll leave Gage at home because he's just not a professional at staying close. <laughs> so Hank will do a good job, but I'd love to get in doing that with you next year. Yeah. That'd be super it's, cool. It's super fun. And I, like I say, I think it's something a lot of guys overlook. And the more and more I've gotten into it, the more and more I've started to grow a little bit of an obsession with it. And yeah. It's, it's definitely a good time. And I'm really looking forward to the next fall. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, you got a good buddy when, cause you just did a hunt mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you got a good buddy, Joe came over tonight and he's like, I put a couple pheasant roosters in the back of your truck for you it's cold enough here they'll i'm gonna he said let them let them kind of hang out for a couple days and then take care of them and so thanks for that that's gonna be awesome yeah that'll be super danielle will be super excited about that she's never had pheasant i don't think oh there you go so she'll like it it's good yeah super good and i think it's one of the best i mean i love pheasant wild turkey's good grouse is good pheasant 
is I think they're it's right up there. And Fez, the, the guys I was with today, um, just we did a, a game farm trip. Just so people know, we weren't hunting illegally. <laughs> we did a game farm trip <laughs> for work. We took yeah, some customers it's, it's out. out right now. <laughs> yeah. We took some customers out, and and more or less the game farm to me, you know, it's not a hunt so much as it is just it's work for the dogs and the dogs love it yeah. and taking customers out and they get to watch your dog work and they see the the time and effort you put into your dog. It really says a lot, I yeah. think. So yeah. So we, today was just an awesome day of that. And I, I was telling those guys today, they're like, well, how do you cook them and this and that? And they ended up giving me all their birds. And they oh, said, man. they said, if they said, here's Jack the deal, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have us all over. We'll yeah. do a big cookout one night. And the thing with pheasants, when I was talking to those guys, like you can do anything. You can treat them like chicken. You can treat them like whatever. There's so many things you can do with them, especially the farm-raised birds. They're essentially a chicken. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. They're, yeah, D- ditch parrot. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, yeah, that's, I, I suppose that pretty much sums up kind of a recap for us yep. this year, it's a Joe. Good year. It was a good year. It was a great year. You shot two whitetails, got into some ducks, yep. got into some pheasants. You guys had an awesome time up in Alaska, and you got yeah you know, the, the yeah. overnight buck. Yeah, and, the overnight buck, and yeah, that'll be the new name for it. Yeah. The overnight buck. <laughs> and some squirrels, and we're gonna get after some squirrels here soon. Too, yeah, right? we're gonna get out together, and and we'll post some pictures and stuff. We've talked about getting out on a couple squirrel hunts, and we got a couple good locations we're gonna try. But yeah, I was lucky in Alaska. I was on two two doll rams and a and a big old moose so i can't complain much that i didn't you know when i got home i didn't get to get out as as much but uh nevertheless guys we just thank you for listening in and just remember if you can to to subscribe give us a rating and a review and check us out on social media get involved we'd love to hear your stories once again contact outdoors is a platform for us to share our stories but it's also the goal is it would be a platform for you to tell yours. So we've already had a couple guest writers on the blog. We'd love to have guests on the podcast and uh, and other people writing in on the blog. So get involved with us. We want to hear what you've got going on, and we want to hear about who you are. So thanks for joining us tonight, and we'll sign off, and we'll see you next time. Original music for this podcast was created by Nakota Rankin. This podcast is edited, mixed, and mastered by Nakota Rankin. Oh, that cramp was bad. I haven't drank any water today. Oh. And we walked like six miles. Joe just all of a sudden in the middle of the episode just stood up and like his bones cracked and like he's like had a cramp.